Blessings and best wishes. Reggie Hubbard here. Happy to be here for the Practice Makes Purpose episode two, uh, where today uh, we will be talking about um, diversity and inclusion with respect to how the yoga practice uh, impacts men. Right. Um, so we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion in terms of uh, body type and race and those sorts of things. But especially in the Western aesthetic, um, the the yoga practice doesn't really seek to serve men. And so I'm honored to uh, be in community today with my brother Nicholas de Alejo from uh, Men Care Now, my homie in the struggle, uh, to talk a little bit about what he's doing and some of the innovation that he has going on. So here we go. Yo, what's going on, my brother? How are you? And I'm well. How are you today? I'm very well. I'm very well. Great, grateful to be on here and good energy and just uh, appreciate the conversation. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be in community with you again and happy to be in this important conversation, right? So like, I'll, I'll just give a brief introduction of you from my perspective, and then we can talk about you from your perspective, because your perspective is far more informed about you than me. So um you know, y'all, I met, I met Brother Nick in uh, doing a Men Care Now Compassion Series for Yoga Alliance. Uh, and it was, a delight, it was a delight to be in community with them because we rarely talk about compassion in the yoga space. And definitely not in the context of how, it, how men should embody and not only should, but do do embody compassion, right? So there's this whole notion of who men are that is neither all the way false, but more importantly, not all the way true. And so the way that me and, and, and my homie here have connected is because, you know, we just want to have conscious conversations in general. And that's the whole uh, purpose of Practice Makes Purpose is to have conscious, con conscious conversations centered around diversity, equity, and inclusion in the wellness space. And I would also offer um, something that I heard from one of my sisters in uh, my, my Buddhist practice is that we should start calling it justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. So that's Jedi, because in this work, you definitely need to use the force because people be on some books. Let me, well, you know what I'm saying. And one of my, my brothers in the struggle too, Ravi Singh, I was talking to him yesterday and he said, the greatest gift you can give someone is consciousness, right? So if I or we, through the purpose of these conversations and this one in particular, can shift your perspective, that is the biggest gift that we can give you um, and how we can better relate to all these people. So brother, I talked a little bit about how we met um, tell me a little bit about your personal story, um, how yoga found you, um, and let's just get this going. Yeah, so uh, there's always, you know, many layers to every story. And so for me, you know, the kind of quick and simple, I think, is one is, you know, I grew up in a religious household, had gone to church, went to a Catholic school. And so that was a staple of my growing up as there was this huge religious spirituality kind of opening understanding and just community, which, you know, I, I did appreciate it. I found it to be really powerful um, and enlightening. I actually love to just sing my heart out to, uh, you know, when they, when we do the hymns. And so it was just something that I, which was funny because in my RYT 200 years ago, I loved the chanting. And so again, the parallel was, was there. I think the second part of it, lucky enough, um, just at, in college was, you know, had the community, had the opportunity and went and took some classes, you know, and through some relationships and that just kind of opened the gate. And so years later when, you know, life caught up with me in terms of different pieces of my 
you know, mental health, my lower back, I have three herniations in my back and different issues with knees and shoulders. So all of that caught up with me. And at that point, you know, all the other things that I knew about, I wasn't really happy about the options. And so yoga became something to explore a lot deeper. And then it just became deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it's just become now just like brushing my teeth. I mean, it's, it's that core to what I am in my path. And, you know, growing up in Florida, my, you know, background being Cuban American for me, you know, yo, you know, muchismo, not yoga, you know, it was, it was a different kind of style. And so I think this is a great thing that is so accessible and so powerful. And the more I've kind of dove into it and not just asana, but you know, the beyond, um, it's been just this evolving journey of how can I evolve? How can I bring some of this and be helpful to others and at least show, you know, show that awareness or provide consciousness. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of been the, the paths, but I think, you know, I became one of those individuals where it was kind of the medical path that really interests me. Um, the spiritual is my personal, that's where my personal practice and what I really dive into, but what I'm trying to create and take and bring out is, is more on the not medical in the sense of in a doctor's office, but more intervention, prevention, things that we can start to gleam around behavior change. So our lifestyles, our own health can start to, you know, have different outcomes. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about how men care now came into existence. Yeah. So that was, um, last year watching telehealth, the changes in reimbursement, a lot of the shifts that we saw. And so what that did for population health in terms of accessibility, in terms of this whole notion that there could be a bigger opportunity out there to really create a lot of quality services to all populations, to all communities. And that to me right away translated into yoga, got the email in June last year from, um, from the yoga Alliance and said, this is perfect. Let's launch this, you know, teacher training program with as many perspectives as we can kind of understand super at the core of it being around inclusion around all different perspectives, because that's what I think has been so powerful for my journey is all these different people that I've been able to come in contact with and then share their wisdom, what they've learned, their insights. It's every single one of those together that creates my healing, my journey, not this one person, this, some of them have had more profound in terms of the time they've spent with me, but it's, you know, I think a lot of it just comes back to, you know, just perspective at the time and later on and everything seems like it makes sense later on. But, you know, when you're in it, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a different game. Yeah, no, I, pre I appreciate that. Because one of the things that, um, and you and I have talked about this quite extensively, um, but for the people who either view this now or view this later, um, I have struggled um, in the way that the wellness industry does not seem to care about men. Right. So like um, and, you know, and I don't think it's willful all the time, but I do think there are certain things, whether it be phraseology or, you know, a lot of men weren't dancers or, or, or former um, athletes in the way that some women were. So the way that asana sequenced is inaccessible to men. And, you know, for me, like I, um, I started practicing yoga when I turned 40 and I'm 6'2 and 260. And so there are certain things that I can do with like power but I don't necessarily have with respect to like hip flexibility or these sorts of things. I remember one of the first yoga classes I went to, people were just like, you should do this. I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, like, and luckily for me, I'm a bit of a contrarian. Right. And so like, so, but some people may have walked out of that class. So tell me a little bit more about from your experience, how the yoga industry writ large, it's not that they seek to exclude men, but sometimes lack of inclusion 
is like tacit or, or, or subtle exclusion. So tell me ways that in your experience, not only that you see that the industry writ large doesn't seek to like sell itself or make avail itself to men, but what you're doing about it. Yeah, no, and I, and I think you hit the nail on the head because it really comes settled down to the, even the sequencing. I think that's one of the more powerful parts of it in that men have different ways of approaching and it's not always the same and every man is different and how people understand themselves and in the morning they might have certain energy and in the evening they might have certain energy. And so just like a song, you might love a song today and the song might not be your favorite tomorrow and then for the next three months you might play it every day. And I think that shifting sound. So for me, it was more about I was finding myself pushing too hard in certain areas and so potentially being injury prone. I was finding myself not being able to do certain things. So finding that lack of confidence or self-doubt that was creeping in. So there were just different parts of what I was experiencing that, and it wasn't, again, I don't think it was intentional. It was just without that flexibility and then want to push yourself. So the kind of combination of the couple things start to sometimes, you know, at least in a lot of the people I work with that are male, they will push themselves to try and do it. So if it does go beyond their current flexibility or strength or whatever the mobility might be, there's still an attempt to go there. And I think that is what I kept seeing in a lot of classes in my own. And so, you know, seven years ago when I started teaching kind of male yoga classes and meditations in New York city, um, at different studios in the city, I would naturally attract more men. And I think part of it was because I had herniations in my back. And so how I taught was a much different, not a full flexibility type of approach, but it was a little bit more, okay, let's, really warm up a lot of these different pieces. Let's kind of go through and give permission. So tree can be kickstand. It can be on the calf. It can be on the thigh. Like let's use the block in the demoing. So we actually use the block in the demoing and then everyone else can use the block and we start there. And then if we want to remove the block, cause for some reason that doesn't feel amazing, then fine, we'll remove the block. And so it was all these little subtleties for myself, for my journey that I found appealing. And then working with a lot of male clients through the fact that these classes tended to be the majority of my classes at first and, you know, over the first couple of years, I think were more, you know, 70, 80% female. And then there was a shift um, where I started offering these classes outside of these studios, but even with my own style, I was bringing it into these other places. And I would say that I started to go to like 50, 50, 60, 40 men. And a lot of these people would show up a lot would be men every time saying like, wow, my back feels great. I'm much more like open, like, wow. You know, like, oh man, the meditation, I've never been able to relax in Shavasana. I appreciate the fact that you just talk the whole time. And like, I was told by all my teachers, you shouldn't talk as much in your classes, you know? So I don't know. I mean, who knows if that's good or not, but, and I don't think this is just for males. I mean, it can be for different types of people, but when you bring it all together with that as the intention, it does provide a potentially safer space. It does provide something that feels like, okay, this might actually be for my body with being less flexible, being a little bit more egotistical at times and with cheese smoke popping in from, you know, when it needs to, and, you know, when it needs to great, when it doesn't need to please, you know, breathe away, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so I think that's how I've approached it and it's evolving, but at least the feedback and the experiences, of a lot of the men that have come through the program has been, this is something that feels right. It does kind of naturally, okay, like maybe this is really for my body. Maybe I don't have to, you know, I can do CrossFit and be a little bit more, you know, kind of going, you know, a little bit more faster pace and really doing what I need to do with that rhythm. But there might be an opportunity or another area to just slow down and take that to a different rhythm. And so that combination is great. I think competition is necessary. It just doesn't need to be in the yoga. 
Yeah, I love what you said there because, like, for better or for worse, our our culture um, in the United States, but I would say also in the West, but more so in the states, um, dudes try to be the most, yo. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, always this like, huh, like. You know, I grew up watching like um, wrestling, so like I totally understand like Hulkamania running wild. Totally understand that, like, because that's just kind of what we're taught. And but one of the ways um, that that yoga has changed me is that you know, I, and we've talked about this. I teach a hatha style, um, which is being the doing the most by doing the least, right? And so for people, they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah. So you think this is wimpy? Hold tree pose for a minute. <laughs> Tall spine, navel engaged, proud chest. Oh, yeah, right? So it's that level of refinement and mastery um, that I think can appeal to men, um, whereas, you know, vinyasa classes, especially some of the power vinyasa, are like, go, 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 more, 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 when, in fact, that's probably what a lot of men don't need more of. We need permission to be softer. We need permission to slow down. We need permission to offer that vulnerability. And you and I have talked about this as well. I talk a lot in my classes too. Why? Because like we're not conditioned to emote. We're not com- conditioned to talk about like some of the things, you know, we talked a lot about this in the compassion series. Like if I go up to someone and be like, yo, I love you. Like people are like, Rrr. yes, dude said that to you, whatever, you know, you know what I mean? So the way that we offer these practices and talk about these practices is, is very important. So tell me a little bit more about some of the innovation um, that Men Care Now is doing, not just with respect to like broadening the practice to men, but just in like offering wellness in a different way. Yeah. So I think what's cool about it first is it's remote, all of it's remote. So that in itself allows, which I think is where a lot of this is going, but there will be no kind of pull back in that direction, at least for the time being. It's it's great to have people from California, Michigan, you know, all over the country that have such different practices and perspectives of what yoga means. And so I think that's been really beautiful. But I think what's really cool about it is one is I have a lot of learning and development background. And so I've been trying to just introduce just really cool styles of learning where, you know, when we start to do stuff, it's the men create the sequence and then they're teaching that for their final and it's all everything's connected so there's this whole buildup of confidence and understanding and a deep connection to what these all these things are and i think on top of that we're actually going to start bringing in heart rate variability monitors and start doing things around understanding stress and anxiety so we're going to have like twofold one is more the community side is going deep there and, and continuing with just allowing men from all different backgrounds and parts of the country to have an ability to feel like they can just do yoga and then just wherever that yoga takes them can have that opportunity and safe space to either talk, listen, engage, you know, share, or, you know, kind of kick it in a more private setting. And then on the other side of that is more trying to engage individuals at like Ernesto's on our team, who's at Columbia health, who's a psychologist and trying to actually implement really powerful tools. So when individuals walk away, they have a tool set that's like, okay, when I'm doing, okay, and I've actually reinforced that and seen that in my own actions, so I understand it and to be something that can be true for me, you know, and something that can be true in my own life, not, you said it reduces my stress, great, you know, I've never been able to do that, but, like, I'm now actually seeing, like, the heart rate variability monitor tell me, like, no, actually, you just did that breathing, and it's, like, you know, down significantly, and you're like, oh, okay, so this actually does work, okay, and that reinforcement, I think, is a powerful thing, and a lot of times, the that's really where it's going so it's the self-confidence with the community and trying to build as much into 
a lot of it coming from different angles and different perspectives. So you can see how it's all the same thing, but LeBron plays different than Jordan, you know what I'm saying at the end of the day. And so that's how powerful this becomes where I don't think people look at it that way, you know, where it's, it's kind of, people can have almost a superpower within this different type of practice that they can really bring both for themselves and kind of for offering. So that's been the innovation. It's more from community awareness and really integrating things that are powerful and meaningful. And then the other side of that is actual techniques taken from, you know, psychology and other parts of the medical field to see if there's an opportunity to introduce it in more of a holistic type of program. So then more men can just come in, understand tools, share those tools. And it becomes this whole kind of, you know, collective sharing where the hope is, you know, more and more communities adopt what yoga means in their way. Maybe it's in a dojo, maybe it's out in the field, you know, it doesn't actually matter how it shows up. It doesn't have to be with a yoga mat. It could just be awesome. It could just be breath. It could just be whatever, but we're trying to take all of it together so you can have all these tools and understand it, contextualizing the community and then contextualizing kind of in your own self-care. Right. No, I love that. and appreciate that. So for those of you that are here, like we're here for you, right? So like, if you have any questions, please let us know. Just put it in the chat. Feel free to let us know and engage. Um, but I just have two other questions because I mean, you know, my style, homie, I like to be quick. <laughs> I'm like, I like a whole bunch of fluff or I like to get in, have a dope conversation and then prayer hands and we out. And also because people's attention spans have been hella compromised over the pandemic and I'm mad sensitive to that. So one of the things that um, has, has come to mind, so I know you're always, you know, whenever I think of you, like the old school paid in full song comes to mind, you know what I'm saying? So like thinking of a master plan, you know, like I always like whenever I see your name, either my email or like social or whatever, I'm just like, your homie's on some stuff, you know what I mean? So thinking of a master plan, what are you thinking about right now, man? So like what, what are some of the master plans that you got brewing um, for the next couple of weeks, months or whatever? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I think one of it is I'm actually writing a research report on fitness and wellness deserts to try and highlight just like healthcare system deserts, just like food deserts. Yeah. All of what we're talking about, all this wellness, where does it show up in zip codes? How do we think about models where maybe 50,000 local residents can chip in $100 and all of a sudden we have a $5 million operating budget for a yoga studio in three years of OpEx to actually run the studio yeah, in yeah. certain communities. Or we bring ultrasound machines and different things to local community hospitals through actual you know depreciation schedules where people can start to own this stuff and start to get so technical with that. But that's something I've been working on and it's so powerful because it's, it's trying to like be aware of the tools and then try and showcase them so maybe people will be like, oh wait, there is an opportunity to impact and create, you know, outcomes that can be also, you know, good for me. And like, I think that's been something that's been powerful. So it's, you know, working with some really brilliant, um, mainly young women um, who are helping me put together this research report um, from all over the country. And I think that's really been something I think is going to be really powerful um, to just really highlight that and, and come at it from a lot of different angles, um, but mainly from the founders and trying to say, how can we provide tools so more and more founders can want to go and understand some of these, you know, opportunities to impact population health, you know, different communities that might not understand or have the same resources from a wellness perspective and just make wellness more equitable, make it more justice, you know, friendly and something that is something that, you know, can, can be thought of in design phase, you know, around how it can be helpful to, to different communities. I think that's beautiful. And, you, and you, you use a bit of jargon that I want to tease out a bit. So you said OPEX and depreciation models and those. <laughs> Remind um, of your background, background, right? Like, so you don't come to yoga and wellness from, a, like, you used to work in, in, like, high money and high finance. 
I did. I so I started my career um, in you know investment banking, where I was working with Chinese companies and U.S. companies for like healthcare and early actually wellness, smoking cessation, fun stuff like that. And then went to BlackRock for about eight nine years, which is a you know large asset manager, and there was doing really cool things globally, research, product innovation, um, ESG, a lot of kind of sustainability work, and then became kind of a, a portfolio manager managing assets. So yeah, I spent you know, 14, 13, 14 years in kind of that world. Um, and, and really, even in that world, I think I taught a couple hundred yoga classes, you know, r- did a lot of events around wellness and trying to really humanize the process. So that, yeah, the background's been, I think, helpful to try and be mindful about how we can really make this impact and continue to scale the impact and, and, and make it, you know, something that can be accessible where more and more, I think, capital dollars or, you know, funding can start to come into you know, where, where I think there's a lot of opportunity, but also a lot of need and a lot of opportunity to serve and help. And that's where it's all at. So they humanize the process. Remind me your title again. In terms of, oh, CEO means what? uh, Compassionate executive officer. So just trying to even change the chief to compassionate, just because we think that's how, that's how we want to engage with everyone. That's how we want the people that are kind of leading the organization to, to know that like, that's, they're not, heading everything they're here to be compassionate officers for everyone i respect that i mean because you know this about me like i'm the chief serving officer <laughs> active peace yoga so like active peace is my thing but like i am the chief servant right even recently like i took a couple weeks off because i sprained my ankle um and i sent like an email to my community i was just like what do you need right so like i sent a survey i was like i'm here to teach you Right. So like serve it. Like, how can I serve my community as opposed to we're doing this this week? The world is changing. You know what I mean? Like the world is hella changed. Like so like in in conclusion, do you have any like either closing thoughts or pandemic reflections or like like leave us with some some of the wisdom that you have based on your, your, your lived experience in this moment? Yeah, I mean, I think for me is that practice is hard to keep up with and just the awareness of that is a special gift. It's something that can be strong, but I think part of it is where can you, where can practice become a habit? Where can practice become part of what really defines your strategy over the next, whatever it is. And I think for me at the beginning, I was really lucky. And I say lucky because I do believe in luck, but it's more, you put yourself out there to put in context is I started just teaching on Instagram live three classes a week. Well, that solidified my practice. It was beautiful. I didn't, it wasn't like I, you know, thought forward like that, but because I just did that and that was for months, you know, every day I would show up and teach an hour class Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And it was a hype yoga class. So it was a little bit more power to keep people moving and active. Exactly. Like, and it was just, thank you for whatever happened to that in the universe to like present that decision and that energy at that time. I don't, you know, I, I, I didn't plan for that. So I don't want to take a lot of credit for how that it came out and be like, oh, I did this. And I thought that like, it just kind of the next day, the pandemic and I couldn't go, you know, to work on this. It was, it was like, boom, IG live, put on a schedule and just went. And my fr- fr- family, friends, all these people that I didn't even know also took it during that time. And I got later on kind of feedback around like, thank you for that. So it helped me. It gave me my practice. Um, it solidified me in my own truth. And it, I was just really, really happy for that. And I'm glad that that was the path that, that was lent to me at that time. And it could have 
easily been a different path that like it was just like we were right there you know we could have fallen down the left side of the mountain or the right side and i was luckily you know handed kind of that opportunity and it was beautiful and it kept me really balanced i think and in my practice and i just i'm, I'm very grateful for that to be honest that's a beautiful reflection and you know i've got something similar in that like um i rejected the teaching mantle for quite some time and um when the pandemic hit like i had been working on zoom for for years like two or three years so like the platform was native to me and for whatever reason i was just like i'm gonna do it via zoom and 1,000 classes later, you know what I mean? Like, I've kind of helped pioneer um, the new iteration of uh, yoga online. And I think that that's what, that's what the, um, the beauty of this moment in time is that it's rife for disruption. It's rife for opportunities. Things may have worked for some, but they did not work for all. And so I'm really excited about some of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that you're doing. And um, any other closing thoughts for us before we, before we roll out? Yeah, I mean, I would love if anyone has um, any men or you know people that identify as masculine that want to go through our program. Um, we're going to be having our upcoming cohort uh, towards the end of July, so please reach out to me or you know any you know Reggie or anyone that you know uh, in Men Care Now, and you, know, you look at our website mencarenow.com, and it's a free RYT. Um, we do look at people's responses around empathy and compassion, and that's how we come together, and, and that's how people are selected for the fellowship. It's really about how they show up for their community, how they want to use these tools to go back and serve their community. So um, happy to help, happy to ask, answer any questions on that. But yeah, I think that's what I'll close with. And thank you for the, the space, the time, and really cool what you're doing, my man. I appreciate you. No, I appreciate you too, Ben. So one last thing, just to dive back in. So tell us a little bit about the diversity of the people that are in your RYT, because, you know, I, I've spoken to the homies. That was so great. So like you <laughs> All, all sorts, all shades, all shapes. Uh, talk a little bit about that and then I'll close this out. Yeah, so I think that the goal here is to be as inclusive as possible. And Ernesto, or Dr. Ernesto Lira de la Rosa, who's at Columbia Health, he's our head of inclusion and we're thoughtful about the language, how we you know, really want to kind of show up and reach out. And so part of this is also the word of mouth people, it's just continued to kind of spread because people feel comfortable and safe in our space. And that's really creating, I think, a lot of great outcomes for more people wanting to say, okay, this might actually be something for me. Um, so yeah, so it's people that, you know, from all different, I think, parts of the country, um, we really want to focus and, and really support different communities, Latinx, BIPOC, um, Asian American, uh, Native American, um, you know, LGBTQ, uh, plus uh, veterans. I mean, all these different individual groups and communities and identities that we think are so powerful. We want to make sure that we can give space for what yoga at least has been able to do for myself, people that have gone through this space. Um, and it continues to be something that we're building on where everyone that goes through it has opportunities to kind of, you know, be part of it as we grow and, and things. So this is really a community thing. I mean, the whole goal is this, I, this wasn't a goal in life. It's just something that during the pandemic came about. And I think it was something that was needed because obviously as many of these men are going through it, they're having really good experiences. I'm just so grateful that I can, you know, for f men that are 30, 40, 50 years old that are either fit pros or, you know, musicians or psychiatrists or what have you, can find value in yoga, can find value in where these tools can fit in their life. And I just, it's just awesome. I think on that level. So I've just been, I think that's what we're trying to show up with. It's open to, you know, we're really trying to support 
men that haven't traditionally been in yoga studios as teachers, as leaders, or as mindful or wellness leaders. And so um, the more we can just create that opportunity to go through this training, get a certification for yoga teaching, and then from there, you know, grow upon that experience and leadership. I mean, that's really what we're trying to, you know, kind of at least support and, and kind of, you know, provide the, the resources around that. That's beautiful. And I fully support you. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank those who've tuned in live and those who will watch later um, to Practice Makes Purpose, episode two. Next week, same bad time, same bad channel. We'll be extending the conversation and talk about how we work, how yoga tools impact incarcerated populations and veteran populations with my buddy Mike Huggins um, from the Transformation Yoga Project. So because I have all these bowls here, I'm going to ring us out. Um, so tall spine, everyone who's watching either now or later, I'll ring this three times and then we'll close. Inhale through the nose, exhale out the mouth, inhale through the nose, exhale out the mouth, last in through the nose, X out the mouth. Bow gratitude to you, homie. Deep bow gratitude to everyone who showed up. Practice makes purpose, episode two. Over and out. Love and grace. <laughs> <laughs>